0: I'm going to share some things with you. We're going to read from Matthew, and I am going to kind of keep it a, a kind of a Christmas theme, but a little bit, some things. I, about five years ago, I shared a message, and some of the things, this is very unlike what I'm doing, because some of this I pulled from a, a message five years ago, but it was on my mind, and um, I actually preached this message in um, Maryland five years ago. When I was there um, with Jason and Trish at their church and the pastor asked me to preach while I was there and we actually went up to um, um, the Army-Navy gang and it was the first of December. So um, I saw that and I said, well, there's, there's some things I want to pull out of that. We close most of our prayers and we ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. And we even come against spiritual darkness. I don't know. I don't know how many times in your life you've invoked the name of Jesus, but I have. Whenever I feel an evil, an evilness around me, I just started invoking the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, and battling the enemy with the spiritual weaponry that we've been given. Um, we say there's healing in the name of Jesus. There's Hope in the name of Jesus, their deliverance in the name of Jesus. You can just go right through. Everything a person needs, it's in that name. It's in the person by which that name is is given. And so the angel told Joseph, and we're going to read uh, here and refer to Matthew chapter 2, or chapter 1 rather, in just a moment. But uh, the Christmas narrative was basically the Lord or, or the angel telling Joseph, when, you, when this child is born, you're to give him the name Jesus. And uh, so the, Mary and Joseph really didn't have an option on what they were going to name that little boy. They were already told what his name was going to be. Um, now, the name Jesus, I'll show you a slide here in just a moment, what it actually means. But Jesus is more of a Greek rendering of Yeshua, which is Joshua. Joshua and Jesus has the same name. One is is pronounced more on the Hebrew end of it. Jesus is pronounced more on the Greek end of it. But uh, they were given the name way before that little boy was born. Nowadays, through all the imaging and 4D scans that, I mean, you can almost like a take a picture. You can see their facial features and everything like that. People already have names picked out. And they don't have to take all that stuff back to the store that they bought for the nursery like we used to do. It was so much fun. But uh, five years ago, I, I looked at what the most popular names were for, for babies And I'm going to give you the top ten names for little girls in 2016. 2017, they've got a little bit of an inkling, but, of course, it's not finished yet. Here's the top ten names for girls last year. Sophia, Emma, Olivia, Ava, Mia, Isabella, Riley, Aria, Zoe, and Charlotte. For the boys, it's Jackson, which I looked it up and you know what it means? Son of Jack. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> My goodness, how'd they even come up with that definition? But it also it also has a Hebrew. Origin, origin to it. Now the next one is Irish, Aidan, Lucas, which is Greek, where we get the name Luke. It means enlightenment. I don't know the name Liam is number four. Noah. By the way, Luke, Lucas is number three, and that is the first biblical name. Noah, number five. Ethan, number six. Mason, number seven. Caden, eight, Oliver, nine, and Elijah comes in at number 10. <clears throat> if you're wondering, Joshua is, was number 54. <clears throat> and I always like to look up Jason is 74. When we named Jason, it was number one, I think. <laughs> Why do people do that? We just like go through cycles of names. Now, now Jason is seventy-four. I did look up what is trending, and Jason's dropped all the way to ninety-four. So he's going to be out of the top one hundred if this keeps going. And then you have the genealogy, and it's a long genealogy. Matthew gives this description following the genealogy, in uh, verse eighteen. He says, "Now this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother." Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her privately, quietly. Verse 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place. And this is Matthew explaining. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is the prophet that talks. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. <laughs> when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home and his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus, Yeshua. So what's in this name? What is so special about the name of Jesus? Um, The drama of that night when all of this took place, the shepherds and later wise men came and worshiped him. And we've been we've talked about some of that over the last few weeks. Uh, But it boils down to this. What Mary and Joseph got was not a gift but the giver of gifts. And that little fella was the source of everything people needed in that little package. He shall save his people from their sins. This is the first slide I'm gonna show to you. It has the definition. Yeshua comes from the word Yasha meaning to save and Jehovah meaning the covenant name of God. Yah or Yo is, you know, the Yah at the end. Yeshua ah is the shortened part of Jehovah, meaning the covenant God saves. Now when it's written in the Greek, the word sozo is the word for save. He will save, in the Greek rendering, save his people from their sins. Now look at the definition of what save means. <clears throat> Avenge, avenging, defend, deliver, help, preserve, rescue, be safe, bring, or having salvation, save, or get a victory. Um, and we're going to go to the... Uh, not to go, don't go to the next slide just yet. Now, we use this word a lot, save. We might say, well, you saved, you saved me a lot of headache by your advice. You saved me from a bad decision. Now, the extent of, of salvation is different there, but any time you spare someone harm or distress of any... That's really an act of saving someone from some stress, trouble. It could be something small, it could be something big. I was listening this morning to a, a podcast. Eric Metaxas is interviewing Colonel Douglas um, Mastriano, and uh, he's a retired Army intelligence man. Spent years over in Lithuania. Both he and his wife were in Army intelligence. They were they operated on the Russian border and. And uh, while they were there, he, he and his wife are committed believers, they decided that they would check in on the story of Sergeant Alvin York, and that because there was people in his native Tennessee that were claiming that all of that didn't happen, for him to get the the great honor, the Congressional Medal of Honor that <clears throat> what happened in the battle didn't happen. So while they were there, they got permission from France to go into that Meuse-Argonne uh, arena where the last great battle of World War I took place. And it caught my attention because that battle went on for about two months. And get this, this is not made up, you can, te- you can check this out. The American force in that battle numbered 1.2 million soldiers in that battle. Just the Americans. It was the largest battle and and struggle between two opposing entities. Because there was the French there. There was the British there. There was Australian troops there. And you had this massive German army that was bedded down in this rough terrain in the Meuse-Argonne forest. Uh, I think it was somewhat under 30,000, somewhere around 26,000, both on the Germans and the Americans. But they got to dig and they found out, they found the machine gun site. Here's the gist of the story. There was some men that got through the ranks, but when they got in, they got separated and they were just sitting ducks. And, uh, Alvin York was in the group. Alvin York, some of you remember the movie, Sergeant York? <clears throat> he became a Christian, and he was a conscientious objector. And I think they made a movie kind of similar to that recently. This guy had some religious convictions, couldn't shoot anyone. He, and he just said, I can't kill anybody. And so he went into battle, not wanting to kill anybody, But seeing his friends getting shot, he stormed this machine gun placement, killed, I don't know, dozens, a couple of dozen of German soldiers. (laughs) He said he was motivated to protect his friends, (laughs) maybe himself. Captured over 100 Germans. And they said that broke the German line. That was the second phase of the offenses in October. And one of the reasons why this always touches me, Brenda's great uncle, John Waltman, was killed in that second phase of that offensive and is buried in the meuse Oregon American Cemetery. This is what Colonel Douglas Mastriano said. Probably Sergeant York saved numerous lives by shortening what he did, shortening World War One. Now, that is quite a claim. But he never wanted to be recognized for it. For once, he didn't want anybody to know he killed people. (laughs) He was ashamed that he killed people, but he always was saying it was God that protected me. I should have been killed. I was shot at so many times. Even the Germans they've interviewed, they got German, the German side of this. and, And the German side of it is that we just decided that the guy couldn't be killed, that some divine protection was over and we couldn't kill him because even after he captured one of the guys had a handgun on him and pulled it out and shot at him almost point blank from at his back and missed him <laughs> so but here's his salvation this whole term of of salvation i don't think sergeant york would want anybody to talk about him being a savior of any level but he did he saved lives we have fire firemen that save lives. We have first responders. We have doctors. Uh, we have law enforcement, and we have just ordinary stand bystanding citizens that jump in and rescue somebody out of a submerged vehicle. You know, this is these are these are acts of salvation. If you go by that definition. Well, I think I might've shown this, uh, picture to you before you, if you don't remember it, this is Dr. Bruner in, um, Vanderbilt hospital operating on, um, a woman pregnant, her her little boy that she's pregnant with is Samuel Armas. Is that picture up? Okay. There it is. Um, the baby was diagnosed with spinal bifida and, um, at that time, they were doing ingestation surgery for they, they found out that they could close the spine up before the baby's ready to be born, that they don't have to do the extensive surgeries that's required post-birth. So uh, a man from the Tennessean newspaper was asked to f- photograph this. And um, there's there's snoops and all this gets into it about what all happened here. But the guy photographing it said that the hand came out of the opening to the, the uterus and grabbed on to the doctor to the surgeon's hand when the surgeon went to put the hand back inside the uterus. The Surgeon later said, well it was an involuntary thing. The arm just fell out because the mother was under anesthesia as was the baby with her. But the, but the photographer says what I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw movement in the uterus and the hand come out and then the hand. Now this is a couple of things. This, this kind of brought more of a pro-life move since 1999 now the next slide I'm going to show you is Samuel. He's just—he's turning 17 this month, and this—this uh, this is him when he was little. And the interesting thing about him, he still has some complications. He, for a long period of time, where they're riding, or he's going to be somewhere, he, he has to use a wheelchair. He can walk, but he, his duration to walk is not that long. But he's doing very well. He accepted Jesus when he was, I think, nine years of age and committed his life to the Lord. And is even witness, I think witness at Congress about pro-life causes. Um, If you want to Samuel Armas, A-R-M-A-S, you can Google it. And you just put Samuel Armas 2016. And there's all kind of pictures. And one of the pictures has him standing behind his younger brother who's in a wheelchair who was also born with spinal bifida as his younger brother is shooting basketball from a wheelchair. And the mother has just been, you know, they've been in the same church all this time with a strong support. But this is an act of salvation. This is maybe what what, it, what he saved him probably from a greater disability Than what he would have. And also it's brought pro-life causes more to the front and center. Uh, And by the way, abortion is a big issue. You know, people kind of shove it aside when there's other issues. But there's not many things of a greater value than the sanctity of life. And that's what's inside a woman's womb. is not fetal tissue. It's a little boy or a little girl. And it's a little boy or a little girl from conception. So there's no neuter. This is not it. But it's a little boy or a little girl. So we need to keep that in mind. I think some believers need to be reminded of that. Even more amazing, though, is the reality of a baby named Jesus. And we're going to look at that name just for a little bit. I'm going to give you three things about the name of Jesus. The first is this, it is such a simple name, but a powerful name, Jesus. And what emotions that name provokes, right? He said in certain settings, think of some of the great hymns. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him lord of all one of the great hymns Um, john newton that wrote amazing grace wrote a song titled how sweet the name of jesus sounds and here's some of the lyrics to it how sweet the name of jesus sounds in a believer's ear it soothes his sorrows heals his wounds and drives away his fear It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the troubled breast. Tis manna to the hungry soul and to the weary rest. Dear name, the rock on which I build, my shield and hiding place, my never failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. By thee, my prayers acceptance gain, although as sin defiled. Satan accuses me in vain, and I am owned as a child. Jesus, this is one of the stints. Jesus, my shepherd, husband, friend, prophet, priest, king, my Lord, my life, my way, my end, accept the praise I bring. Weak is the effort of my heart, and cold my warmest thought. But when I see thee as thou art, I'll praise thee as I ought. Then, till then, I would, I love this last line because there was a line in one of the songs that reminded me of it. Till then, I would thy love proclaim with every fleeting breath. And may the music of thy name refresh my soul in death. Worship songs. How about Bill Gaither's great song, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? There's just something about that name. (laughs) Great song, isn't it? Carrie Job, no sweeter name than the name of Jesus. And then there's this song, When I Speak. Your name, I was playing that for about an hour before anybody got here. And I had it blasting. Just a great song. I want you to stand with me. And I want you to sing this song along with the video. It's only a few minutes long. I don't think it's going to be as loud as what I had. Go ahead. It's close. You might need to turn it down a little bit. Yeah, here we go. And there's another song called Your Great Name. Lost or saved, find their way at the sound of that great name. I pray for Andrew Sweet to hear the name of Jesus in that way. Not just the way the sounds come, but down here. All condemned feel no shame at the sound of your great name. Every fear has no place at the sound of your great name. And the enemy, he has to leave at the sound of your great name. Can you imagine singing a song about any name other than the name of Jesus there? It's it's exclusively there, isn't it? That's the second point. It's exclusive. The name of Jesus is exclusive. In Acts 4.12, you know, Acts chapter 4 is a great lesson on how to handle opposition and people attacking you. And the disciples were being threatened. and And Peter and John mainly. And... You know, they're called in by the authorities. You need to stop this right now. You're filling this city up with the, that name, that name. And uh, this is what Peter said to him. Neither is there salvation in any of this, Acts four twelve. Neither, think of about the negatives here and the exclusivity of the name of Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Not only does his name means the Lord saves, Jehovah saves, but anyone else carrying that name doesn't do what he does. That name, Jesus of Nazareth alone, Jesus, Messiah, uh, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, Messiah, is a source of salvation. There's no other way. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other way to hope. There's no other way to eternal life. And later on, this you find this in verse 18. They called him in again after he said this in verse 12. This is verse 18 in Acts 4. They called him in again. You know, something's going to have to give here. And they told him, we don't want you to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Specifically, this time they said it. We don't want you speaking or let alone teaching people about this name, Jesus. And Peter, this is verse 19. Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. <laughs> y'all decide we're not stopping. What do we have other than the name of jesus we what story what story do we have about faith that's disconnected from Jesus? Faith is not some thing out there that Is you know, fuzzy and not sure how it's outlined or anything. It only matters if it's anchored in that person. And think about this. This is my last thing. This name is exalted by none other than God himself. Philippians chapter 2. Joseph named him Jesus. He did the right thing. That was his responsibility. The man's supposed to give the child the name. The name was actually given to that baby, not by Joseph, but by God. And this is what Philippians 2, 9 says. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name. And in case you think that this is kind of like not defined any further, that at the name of Jesus, this Jesus... Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess this. Jesus Christ is Lord. And it doesn't stop there. You know what the rest of the verse says? To the glory of God the Father. This is it. This is this is what heaven is all about. This is this is what God's glory is all about. It's in his son. And when people declare Jesus Christ is Lord, it brings glory to God. So there's this exalted name. And then later on in, in Ephesians Paul would write this in chapter 1. Ephesians is a great another great book. He's got chapter one and chapter three is just great chapters. Right in the middle of uh, chapter one, he says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, far above everything else, all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. I have a feeling that the name of Jesus is going to be pretty prominent in heaven. Now John hears him say, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. But it says, every knee would bow, every tongue confess at that time that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the neat thing about it is, he's here with us. He's near us. Just invoke his name. In your name, Lord. In your name. Who are you praying for? And you don't have to answer that. I'm just saying, what prayers have been in your mind and on your lips for anyone? It's okay to go back and say, I'm asking for that, Lord, in the name of your son, Jesus. By his authority and by my relationship with him. Because Jesus said in John fourteen fourteen, he says, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it. Now, there was a lot leading up to that statement. It's like, oh, man, I hit the lottery. Well, no, he talks about if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And, and then how you ask is going to be determined by the amount of word that's in you. Because we can pray from pretty stupid stuff. You know, I remember praying to God when I was a junior in high school, Lord, please, please don't rapture the church until I graduate. I want to graduate from high school. And then the prayer was, Lord, please don't rapture us until I get married. I want to be married and have a family. And I'm like, okay, that prayer I prayed back then, it's okay. <laughs> you can come on. <laughs> You know, when you get to a certain point, like, you can come on now. It's kind of okay. All right. I don't don't know much anything else I want to do. (laughs) Bad back and all. Come on. (laughs) But all of those things we thought was so important, you look back and says, that was a pretty thin, superficial prayer. There's so many, so much more to the name of Jesus and the person of Jesus for us to dive into hunger after him thirst after him be with him fellowship with him and i was on the phone with a young man last night he's probably in his mid to late 40s by now pastored him when he was a teenager god just rescued that 12 year old kid through royal rangers by the way he came to a royal rangers outpost meeting through an invitation of another kid in church and came they brought him his buddy brought him to my office and says hey jason wants to get saved and I led him to the Lord in my office. A 12-year-old Royal Ranger brought a 12-year-old friend of his to my office, hair down to here, just in a wreck of a life in the home. And he still stays in touch with me. And I was telling him, Jason, how are you doing spiritually? Because I can tell by his Facebook. You can tell by people's Facebook where they're at. And that's how are you doing spiritually. Well... God's doing some things. And he's got a family situation where his two youngest kids are not allowed to talk to him and call him. And he says, you know, I was really mad and I was complaining to God. I have done nothing to deserve this. I've only done the best I can for my family and for my ex-wife. And now she won't let him call me. And I don't know why. And, And he says, I was complaining to God. I don't understand this. And he says, I heard God say to me. Now, do you wonder how I feel after I've done nothing but good for you? And you don't want to spend time with me. He says, he works on an oil rig in Texas. Tough, rough guy says, I don't want to start crying on this oil rig. (laughs) I said, well, God's never left you. You know, the best person you can take those troubles to is him. Because he understands.